Dear God, this morning we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. Because we are so prone to sleepwalk through life. And as we heard Christ say to us today, we yearn to be alert and to keep awake. Help us, O God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scriptures on this first Sunday in Advent are a bit disorienting. They don't begin as we might expect with a call to hope, but with a cry of despair. Isaiah 64 opens with the very clear conviction that humanity has reached the end of its rope and that without God's help, we are all completely lost. Where are you, O God? When will you come to shatter the gridlock of sin and violence and injustice in our world? Oh, that you just open the heavens and come down to save us. In all this past week, I read the headlines of the news and and pondered who in our world today might be crying out to God in precisely this way. Perhaps people of color in Ferguson, Missouri, and across our nation. Maybe Syrian families in freezing refugee camps. Perhaps villages decimated by Ebola in West Africa. Perhaps those without hope or without shelter right here in our very own city. The prophet Isaiah's cry to God actually takes us all the way back 500 years before Jesus. The Persian king Cyrus, you see, after defeating the Babylonians, has now allowed the Jewish people exiled in Babylon for 70 long years to return home to Jerusalem. But in the verses right after our reading this morning, we discover that they don't find a gleaming city of David. What they find instead is a shabby, crumbling city in ruins. And violent struggles now erupt with those who never left the city in the first place and new outsiders who have come and settled in Jerusalem in the intervening years. You know, when we cry out to God, we're not exactly trying to make an airtight theological argument, are we? All we're trying to do is express to God our deepest anguish. And so, in Isaiah's cry today for his people, we find this mixture in their honest confession. We're as unclean as dirty cloth and as vulnerable as a faded leaf, but we also find finger-pointing at God. 
Because you were angry, we sinned. Did you hear that? Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. But above all, what we hear in this passage is God's people here expressing some of the earliest yearnings for a Savior who will come down to save them. You are the potter, we are the clay. You made us, and we belong to you. And without your saving help, we have no hope. Advent, dear friends, is a season when we remember that God does actually hear their cries. The hopes and fears of all the years are indeed fulfilled in the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem. And first of all, in the season of Advent, we look to the past and we remember God's first Advent, God's first coming in Jesus Christ for the salvation and the healing of our world. And dear friends, we remember that God does not come to us as a violent, fiery, vengeful warrior or judge. God comes to us as the child of a yet-to-be-married mother. Born in a back stable and into a family of refugees. God comes, in other words, in ways that are completely bewildering, disruptive, and surprising to just about everyone. But on this first Sunday of Advent, our scriptures focus us and our attention not only on the past, but they turn our attention far, far into the future. In today's apocalyptic reading, wow, what a reading. And what a challenge it is when you open the text as a preacher and you say, God, what should I preach on in this text, this challenging text for us today? Because in Mark 13, Jesus is standing right in the middle of the temple with his disciples and predicting its very destruction. And he speaks to them about another advent. Another advent, his final coming at the end of history. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, Jesus says in verse 32, keep alert. Keep alert. And what Jesus is talking here about is the day when he will return to set right all that is twisted and disoriented in our world. To judge the living and the dead. 
to undo the empire's machines of permanent war. And to finally and fully usher in God's promised reign of shalom. Christian hope, it's been said, is the persistent, enduring, and trusting expectation that God's will in the end shall be done. That's hope. And finally, in this season of Advent, we don't only look to the past, we don't only look to the future, but we also look to the present. To be alert and awake to all the ways that Christ continues to come to us here and now. The Christian life, Thomas Merton once said, is a continual discovery of Christ in new and unexpected places. Don't live in such a way, Jesus tells us today in verse 36, that I will find you asleep. Sleepwalking through life. And He is calling us here to a radical awakeness to reality. To His living presence in all that is happening around us. You might think for a moment in your own life, who in your own life is most awake? I think in my own family, Danette's dad has been modeling what this radical awakeness looks like. He is amazingly present in every moment with us neither thinking about the past or worrying about the future. And though he still has cancer, he seems much more alive than all the rest of us. Taking in each day as the gift that it really is, he is awake to Christ's presence in every person and in every moment. And what a contrast this is, if you think about it, to the surrounding culture in which we live, which often seems to major in helping us to do just the opposite. By escaping reality, numbing the pain, and staying permanently distracted whether through drugs or alcohol, 300 cable channels or a life spent surfing on the web, we seek constantly to disconnect ourselves from what really is, from reality. And especially the pain and suffering of others or our own. Keep awake, Jesus tells us. And living with these words all week, I've been asking, what are the ways that we are sleepwalking instead? How are we failing to be alert and awake 
to Christ's presence all around us. In a new book that I'm reading called This Changes Everything, Canadian author Naomi Klein talks about the lengths that she went to to deny the reality that our climate is rapidly changing. And her book is not about spiritual things explicitly, but it drew my attention to how she talked about how we can be so unawake to the things around us. For years, she said, she tried to stay pretty hazy on the details and only skim news articles about our world, especially the scary ones. And she continued to deny the reality of global climate change even after seeing people on rooftops in New Orleans after Katrina and after watching water flood into subway tunnels in New York after Sandy. Or for those of us who are white, haven't the recent events in Ferguson also reveal to us how we have managed to remain pretty hazy about the details of what it's like for people of color in our nation. The tragic events in Ferguson are showing us a vast racial divide where justice seems to be available for some and absent for others. In a blog this past week, an American, an African-American woman said that being black in America today is to suffer each day the pain of a million paper cuts. Small, almost imperceptible slights and snubs. Just over Thanksgiving, I was reminded of four or five years ago, we had a surprise party for my dad. And my sister and nephew came up from Atlanta. My sister and my nephew are African American. And they went out to sit in the park in South Bend in this all-white neighborhood where my dad lives. And, and later on, my sister said she had been afraid that the police might come and ask her what she was doing there. It's the kind of experience and the kind of reality that most of us are not awake to. And finally, in our Mennonite family right now, we face an increasingly uncertain future about our denomination in our conference. What will either one look like a year from now, or for that matter, even six months from now? In this time of rapid change, what does it mean for us as a congregation in the midst of these changes to be fully awake? Perhaps by asking, how might God be at work in all of this? 
How might Christ be leading our Mennonite church to a deeper understanding of His Gospel and a deeper living it out together? In Isaiah 64 today, we hear the prophet cry out to God, tear open the heavens and come down. But the ironic thing is if you open your Bible and turn to Isaiah 65, we hear God's take on this story. And God, in the very next chapter, chapter 65, says, I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a people who did not call on my name. Dear friends, during these coming four weeks, how can we more fully heed God's call, Christ's call for us to keep awake? How can we live our lives more fully alert to God's presence and action in our world and in our own lives? You know, we often cry out, where are you, God, in this world? But the answer to this question is an open secret. Because Jesus, as He tells us in Matthew 25, is present whenever we feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome strangers. Whenever we do these things, Christ is present with us and we are caring for Him. Mother Teresa of Calcutta urged us always to be on the lookout for Christ coming to us in one of His distressing disguises. And what this means is that we can be sure that Christ will be with us tomorrow evening at our community meal when we gather with our neighbors and our friends. And how might Christ be in disguise for you this coming week in the presence of a coworker, neighbor, or student? The beautiful thing about being awake and alert is that it's nothing that we have to add to our already lengthening Christmas to-do list. This slowing down, this unhurried contemplation may even cause each one of us to take one or two or three or four things off of that list. Alertness is a prayerful listening to God in the midst of all of our activities. It's a quality of being that pervades all our doing. And dear friends, for those who are spiritually awake, Christ's final return at the end of history won't be His second 
coming, but his billionth. For those who are alert and receptive, our whole lives can become one big advent where Christ is always coming to us in ever fuller ways. Amen.